praise God. God bless you. And we are already, what, in our third week of our series, uh, Healthy Relationships. And, and um, you know, I've been learning, I've been learning a lot because I, I really believe that uh, our relationships are important. It is important that we have a healthy relationship, whether it's in a marriage setting or in a family setting or even your friends, your relatives or co-workers. We are relational beings, right? God created us to have relationships, to have friendships. We aren't created to be isolationists, to be living by ourselves somewhere off in the woods. But God created us that we need one another, that we need to maintain relationships. You even see it in nature, right? You think of the wolf pack, right? Here are these animals, these wolves, and you heard the old saying that the, the wolf is the pack and the pack is the wolf. And, and that uh, neither one is complete without the other, that the strength uh, comes in that uh, the pack is made up of the wolves, and the wolves is made up of the pack. And you see that uh, even in nature, God created the animals to have relationships. Our relationships are important, and, and even though in nature they're primarily for protection and survival, when it comes to the things of God, it, you know what, there is, a, there is a safety in the relationships that we keep with one another. Uh, relationships that we build, they give us a sense of purpose and a sense of belonging. The relationships that we're in, uh, they help shape us. They help grow us, right? They encourage us. And even in a healthy relationship, there will be challenges in those relationships, right? What does the Bible say? That iron sharpens iron, and sometimes the sparks fly, and and that's not necessarily a bad thing. It means that you're growing together in that uh, relationship. Studies have shown that uh, the benefits of a healthy relationship, they include having a longer life, less stress, healthier habits, and even a stronger, a stronger resistance to uh, colds or flus. You know, you want to beat the, uh, that virus that's going out? Man, have a healthy relationship, man. Healthy relationship, first and foremost, with God, man, and with one another. I, I thank God for the relationships that we have here in the church, that I have here in the church. Yeah, blessed, man. And I would even go as far as to say that there's people in, in, that I have have uh, friendships and, and relationships with that are even, uh, even would even go deeper than blood, man, that there's men in here and, and, and even uh, women that uh, have linked with my wife and I, and in our time of uh, the, the darkest battles or the darkest uh, hours, they've been right there with us, fighting alongside of us, uh, encouraging us and helping us and blessing us. These are the relationships that God has allowed us to be a part of. And so in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7, we, we understand that this is uh, the love uh, chapter, right? But I mean, we know that every healthy relationship needs love. Amen? And the Bible says that love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. It does not behave rudely and does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It thinks no evil does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. In verse 7, it says, Love bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, and endures all things. I have entitled this message tonight, uh, Give Them Hope. If you're going to give them anything, give them hope. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this evening, Lord. Uh, privilege to be able to come into your presence, Lord, to worship you, to gather in your name, and 
We thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing in our homes and in our lives and our relationships. I thank you, Lord, that you are the strength and the source of our relationship, my God, that you are that which keeps us together and united, Lord, in you. And I ask and pray that tonight you would encourage us, God. You would help us to just take an honest look at ourselves, God, and we would be sensitive to your spirit, my God. And Lord, we just thank you for all that you're doing. Lord, we thank you even now, Father God, for uh, the hearts you would challenge and, and bring to a place of decision tonight, Lord, for salvation, Father God. We pray and ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. And we all say, amen, amen. Because we were created to be in relationships and we are relational beings and because we know the benefits of being in a healthy relationship, then it's no wonder why the enemy attacks relationships. He's been attacking relationships since the beginning of time. He attacked the relationship of Adam and Eve uh, that they had with God. The Bible says that in the cool of the day, right? In the cool of the day that God would walk with Adam and Eve in the garden. And the enemy attacked that relationship when he introduced sin and rebellion into that relationship. He attacked the relationship of, of brothers, the brothers Cain and Abel, Jacob and Esau, that here these brothers that both shared the same womb and, and yet they were enemies. He attacked the relationship of Mary and Martha, where Martha was upset and frustrated because she was doing all the work and Mary was choosing to sit at the feet of Jesus and, and hear his words. He attacked the friendship of Paul and Barnabas when they came to a, 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 a sharp contrast and when, as to who to take with them in their next mission uh, journey. He attacked the, the relationship of Peter and Jesus when he convinced Peter to deny Jesus. And if we're not careful... He'll attack the relationships in our lives that we hold dear, the relationships that are important to us. He'll use things like miscommunication, not understanding what was being implied or intended. And oftentimes, you, you, you'll see that when it comes to text messages, right? What, uh, what one might mean is a, a simple response that someone else might take it uh, totally the opposite direction and totally the opposite way, and there could be a, a strife in there. And that's why they say that if you're going to have an important conversation with someone, don't do it over text message. Have it face-to-face -face or at least call them up. And that way you can hear the subtleties in the voice, or if you're face-to-face, -face, you can see the expressions and you can see when someone is being playful or, 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 or someone is actually upset. We've got to remember that the Bible calls Satan a liar and an accuser of the brethren. And we don't want to give him a foothold in the relationships that we have. We don't want to allow him to bring a wedge or a division. We need to be mindful of one another. We need to be mindful of how we speak to one another, how we talk to one another. Right? In the book of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, it says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And here the Bible is talking about the way we speak and the words we speak to, to each other. Every single healthy relationship is going to require communication. It's going to require that we learn and know how to communicate with one another. And there's times that we got to ask ourselves, what are we communicating? 
What are we communicating? Are we communicating to others whom we have a, a friendship or relationship with? Are we communicating to them hope and encouragement? Are we communicating to support? Or are we communicating to them criticism or pessimism, or negativity, or cynicism, a distrust or, or a skepticism? Some might say, well, I just tell it how it is. I don't have a filter. I just let them know. I speak my mind. I say what I mean and mean what I say. Tell them how it is. And I would say, praise God, man. We need honest people in our lives. We need honest people that could tell us, hey, you know, um, I see something, man, that uh, can, I, can I share something with you? Can I let you know that uh, what you're doing might not be helpful or, or healthy? We need honest people in our lives to be able to tell us as friends, uh, you know, when they see maybe something going askew. But how is it that you communicate that honesty? Is it with love? Is it with a patience? Is, with, is it with the right heart or with the right motive? Or is it just like, man, I'm going to get you. Right? Tough love is what you need. How do we respond with people in our lives when we see them going through struggles? Do we take on that role of the encourager? Do we intercede for them? Do we lift them up? Do we say, hey, I see what you're going through, and I'm praying for you. Is there anything that I can help you with? Or do we become their greatest critic? Do we begin to point out uh, all that's wrong within their lives and all that's taking place and how they shouldn't be doing this, that, or the other? You know who had friends that became critics was Job. We know his story. Almost in an instant, he lost his family, his children. He lost his wealth, his health, and even his marriage was uh, going through a, a, a tough time. And in the book of Job, chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, it talks about uh, a conversation that uh, is really one way that he's having with Eliphaz, the Temanite. And he says to Job, will you be patient and let me say a word? It's already kind of see the, where the, the tone of this conversation is going, right? He says, for who could keep from speaking out? In the past, you have encouraged many people. You have strengthened those who are weak. And your words have supported those who were falling. You encourage those with shaky knees. But now, when trouble strikes you, you lose heart. You're terrified when it touches you. Doesn't your reverence for God give you confidence? Doesn't your life of integrity give you hope? And here we see that there's a lack of sympathy, there's a lack of empathy for what's going on in Job's life. And here we see this man, and obviously he's aware of what's taking place in his life, and he's saying, where's your faith? Where's your hope? Where's your trust in God? You're always encouraging people. You're always telling them about how God can, can help you and how God can heal and restore you. You're always encouraging people about the things of God, and all of a sudden now you're going through some trials, and where's your faith, and where's your hope, and where's your encouragement? You know, God... He gives us victories. The Bible says that we go from glory to glory to glory. And that uh, what we once might have struggled with, uh, we don't struggle with that anymore. 
that we come in and, and God doesn't leave us the way he finds us. Uh, there's things in our lives that he begins to purge out. He begins to cleanse us and heal us and redeem us. And, and now we've got victory. Now we're more than conquerors, the Bible says. Now we're victorious, right? Uh, now we're the head and not the tail. But how quickly we can forget that those, there's those that might be struggling, though, with those same issues that you have now uh, found victory in. That there's those that might be going through a, a hard season within their life. And if we're careful, we can develop a, a critical spirit. And I tell you this, that a critical spirit will destroy a healthy relationship. It'll cause conflict and it'll cause uh, trouble. A critical spirit is an obsessive attitude of criticism and fault-finding, which seeks to tear others down. It's not the same thing as what is sometimes called constructive criticism. Because don't we say that? I'm just giving you some constructive criticism here. Right? Just trying to help you out. The only constructive criticism that is ever constructive is that which is expressed in love to build up and not tear down. And it is always expressed face-to-face, -face, in private, and never behind the person's back. See, when you're dealing with a critical spirit, it's hard to see the best. You, you, you focus on the worst. You don't see the positive. You, you begin to see the negative. And you can't recognize, and it's difficult to recognize, I should say, the grace and mercy of God working in an individual's life. That, yes, this person might be struggling with, with a particular habit or a particular issue, but rather than see the grace of God on their lives, that God has given them a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance, a fifth chance, a seventh chance, you begin to nitpick it and fault find it and begin to point it out, even make it even larger. Book of Romans, chapter 14, verses 10 and verse 13. See, if there is a constant criticism in a relationship, it will eventually cause a strain and a rift in that relationship. And the Bible says, but you, why do you criticize your brother? Or again, why do you look down on your believing brother or regard him with contempt? Then let us not criticize, in verse 13, let us not criticize one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block or a source of temptation in another believer's way. See, we should not look at others with a critical heart, but we should see them as God sees them. We should see them as God sees you. And how does God see you? How does God see you and I? He sees us as one of his own. He sees us as his own. That we belong to God. That he has set his seal upon us. And that when the enemy would try to attack us, and when the enemy would try to come in, uh, he's got to go through God first. That we belong to God. We, the Bible says, have been given the right to be called sons and daughters of God. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. That's how he sees us. The Bible says that he even sees us as the apple of his eye. You ever get your, you ever get your eye poked? It hurts because your eye is sensitive. man. And I believe that God is sensitive to you and I. He's sensitive to our needs. He's sensitive to what we struggle with. He's sensitive to what we go through. And he's sensitive in, to us that he, he hears our prayers. He, 
hears our cries. He sees us as loved and forgiven and washed by the blood of his son, Jesus. And I tell you that in a healthy relationship, in a relationship that is filled with hope, you'll see the individual through the filter of God's love. You'll see that this individual, that God loves this person, that God is doing something, and it'll motivate you and it'll move you to begin to work with them or intercede for them at, at, at minimum. Begin to lift them up and begin to encourage them and see the positive. Hey, I saw that you came to church today, man. Praise God, man. It's good to have you here tonight. I saw that you made the altar call, man. Keep doing that. God is doing something in your life. God is moving in your life. It's easy, and when you're dealing with the critical spirit, that oftentimes what you see in others, it's what you might very well be struggling with yourself. You can say, oh, man, he's so stubborn, never listens to authority, always thinks they know better, won't submit. And then when your leader is asking you to, you know, maybe press in a little deeper. It's like, well, who are you to tell me? I've been coming to church for 45 years. You see what I'm saying? Jesus dealt with this, with this issue. The book of Matthew, chapter 7, verses 3 and 5. He says, and why worry about the speck in your friend's eye? Another word for friend is Brother. Jesus is saying, why are you so worried about that speck in your friend's eye, in your brother's eye? Not some stranger, not some enemy, but someone that is close to you. He says, why are you worried about that speck when you have a log in your own eye? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite, he says, first get rid of the log in your eye. And then you'll see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. You know what amazes me is that a lot of us, most of us, I think every one of us has that one friend or one family member or one relative or one coworker that has the answer for everything that we're going through, right? Like you might be going through some financial hardship, maybe some, you know, some tightening of the belt and all of a sudden, he becomes David Ramsey, and he's telling you what you should be investing in, what you should not be investing in, what you should be spending your money on, the budget you should be creating, right? Or maybe you got a little bump in the road in your marriage. You know, there's some rough patch that marriages go through, and this person's not married, but they're telling you exactly what you should be doing and how you should be doing it, right? Your kids sometimes, uh, when, when they're going through their phase, when they're acting up, when... when never raised kids, don't have kids of their own, and they're telling you what your child needs? You know what I'm talking about, right? That one that always has the answer to all that you're going, no matter what stage or circumstance of life that you're in, they, they got that answer for you, man. And sometimes we're that person too, right? I, I, I remember years ago, uh, my brother, when he enlisted into the Marines, and he was going to go to boot camp. And, and the night before he was supposed to get on that bus, he, he was going through it, man. He was nervous. He was scared. He was apprehensive, naturally, right? And he, he wanted to talk. And, man, I just, 
you need Jesus, man. You need to get your life right with God. I just began to get into him. And he just looked at me and says, can't you just talk to me like a brother? Right? We're guilty. We could be guilty of that. We're learning, each and every one of us. See, sometimes people, they don't come to you because they want you to fix their problems. Uh, They come to you because they just need someone to talk to. Right? We've all been there. Not necessarily we want someone to fix what we're going through, but just someone to talk to. Someone that can lend a sympathetic ear. Someone that can say, hey, I understand, or maybe I don't understand what you're going through, but God does, and he's going to help you. Or, You know what? Just set it out. Sometimes we just need uh, those individuals within our lives, or we need to be that individual that we can just say, listen, man, just let me have it. Let it on me, man. No judgment. Love you. God's helping you. Let me pray for you. Let me help you. Whatever I can to, you know, to, to help you out. See, every healthy relationship not only involves communication and how we speak to one another or what we speak to one another, but it also involves listening. Are you listening? And that can be one of the most difficult disciplines to master is the the, the ability to listen. Thomas Edison said this, We have two ears and one mouth, so we can listen twice as much as we speak. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 2, verse 2, it says, So that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. And and, and what the writer here is saying is there is a linkage between listening and understanding. That when you listen to an individual, that when you listen to what's being said, that there's an understanding that you can receive as, as to what they're going through and what's going on on the inside. There's an insight that God will give you and show you how to pray and what to pray for and what to pray about. I read a quote and it says, most people do not listen with the intent to understand. They listen with the intent to reply. And I think we've all been in that conversation on both ends where we just can't wait for the person to stop speaking so we could be like Job's friend and say, can I just say something? Can you just be quiet so I can say something real quick? Or when we're in a conversation and you just know it's going in one ear and out the other. You just know that whatever you're saying, they're just not listening. They're just thinking about how to respond or what they're going to say next. I remember my wife, she would tell me, you're hearing me, but you're not listening to me. And you know that is evident when you're, uh-huh, yeah, mm-hmm, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, that's what you said, yeah. You just, you're not focusing on what they're trying to tell you. You know what you're communicating when, when you do that? Is that you're communicating that what they're saying isn't important. What they're saying you really don't care about. And in a healthy relationship, It'll struggle and it'll strain if the person feels dismissed or if the person feels like what they have to say isn't of value or isn't of importance to you. It destroys hope. It doesn't give hope. It, makes, it demoralizes a, an individual. We not only need to listen to what they're saying so we can have an understanding of where they're coming from, but we also need to listen to the Holy Spirit. We need to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you and I. Seven times in the book of Revelation, in uh, 
chapters 2 and 3, he says this. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Seven times he brings that point across. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says. And it's so important that we listen to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit has the mind of Christ. The Holy Spirit has the mind of God, and it's so important for our relationships that we have the mind of Christ for our relationships. That as a father, we have the mind of Christ for our children. That as a husband, we have the mind of Christ for our marriage, or as a wife, that we have the mind of Christ for the marriage. That as a leader, we have the mind of Christ for those that we lead or the ministries that we're in. And even at work, you know, to have the mind of Christ for the job that you do. It's important that we understand and know what God is asking of us. We listen to the Holy Spirit and be sensitive to Him because it's He that helps us build these healthy relationships. It's He that uh, helps us build strong families. It's the Holy Spirit that helps us uh, build strong marriages, strong friendships. We need to listen to the Holy Spirit when He says, can you just be quiet for a second? When He's asking us to to repent of the way that we've been acting or the attitude that we've been giving. When he says, stop giving them the attitude and start giving them hope. We want to give them hope. man. Those that are in our relationships that we're in, we want to bring hope into that relationship. Every healthy relationship needs hope. You know? I'll tell you what, we might not have all the answers, uh, but there's a God in heaven that does, man. And there's a God in heaven that uh, when we begin to seek his face and when we begin to, in, to ask him to get involved in our relationships, regardless of what kind of relationship it is, uh, he begins to move. And he begins to help us and begins to redeem and begins to draw us closer to one another. And you know what happens? It hopes begins to get stirred within our lives. Hope's, hope, hope gives us the confidence that God is working it out and that things will not stay the way they are, man. Because every relationship is going to go through its struggles. And there's some relationships that we need the hand of God to move within, within those relationships, man. And as we see God move and as we see God uh, begin to bring that healing, man, I tell you what, uh, there's a stirring there. It's like, man, you know what? Even if they're just baby steps, God is doing a work makes us optimistic about the relationship. It strengthens us. And you know what hope does in a relationship? Hope will cause you to do what needs to be done to see that relationship grow stronger and stronger. It gives allowances for one another. It offers grace. It offers mercy, love, forgiveness. Book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 23. It says, now let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. You might be praying for a relationship that is broken or a relationship that is dysfunctional or a relationship that is filled with hurt, and we can trust in the hope in Christ that he keeps his promises, that he can keep the promises to restore all things, to work things out to the good to trade our sorrow for joy, right, and our, our, our tears for joy and laughter, as the Bible says. 
Because sometimes in a relationship, when there's hurt and there is pain, it can seem hopeless. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. It says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us deliver, or excuse me, develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and strength and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. We know and understand Jesus is the one that heals. It's Jesus the one that restores. It's Jesus the one that gives us that hope and that encouragement. Uh, it's he that gets us past that stage that we might be in, and it's he that allows us uh, that ability to just uh, forgive. Forgive. Someone said, the best way to face the future is to deal with the past. And if it is unrepented of and unforgiven, your past will forever stand in your way of a happy, hopeful future and peace with God and others. You know, forgiveness ushers in hope. When you forgive, when you, um, you've been hurt or violated in a relationship and you forgive, it, it brings in hope. But you know what? Forgiveness as well when you need to ask for forgiveness. When, you know, it was your hand caught in the cookie jar, as they say, when, you know. Because we're human, right? We make mistakes. We, we, we sometimes say and do things, whether they're intentional or not, that bring offense into a relationship, you know. And when your partner or your spouse or your child is saying, hey, that hurt me. What you said was, you know, man, I, it, it discouraged me. Our natural reaction is like, no, it's not what I meant. No. And whether we agree with it or not, or whether we intend it or not, we, we, there's, when you acknowledge, like, you know what, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I brought this in, or I'm sorry that I hurt you in this way. Man, there's that burden that gets lifted up off of that relationship. Man. And there's that hope that begins to take place in that, uh, okay, I saw what uh, took place and how it affected, and I don't want to repeat that. I don't want to go back to that. God desires that we maintain healthy relationships because God is glorified in a healthy relationship. God is glorified in a healthy marriage. He's glorified in a healthy family. He's glorified in a healthy friendship. We praise and honor to God when our relationships are healthy. It's when our relationships are sometimes out of sync or out of whack that, man, there's that struggle that begins to take place. And God wants to help us tonight, each and every one of us, because I think we can all, if we're honest, say, mm, I have a healthy relationship here, but here, you know, with this individual, with this family member, with whoever, God help us. Help us, God. Help us that uh, we get past where we're at, Father. As I bring this to a close and our worship team comes up. The book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 18. It says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And I read that and I said, those are some hard words sometimes. Because it's not saying... If they treat you right, live at peace with them. And it's not saying if your relationship is healthy, then be at peace with them. 
It's saying as, 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 long, as far as it depends on you, it's possible you try to be that peacemaker. You try to be that one that uh, is offering hope, is giving them hope. Because sometimes we can be in a relationship where it might be one-sided. It might feel like it's one-sided. Where like you might feel like, hey, you know what, I'm the one that is forgiving, and I'm the one that is trying, and I'm the one that is uh, praying and seeking, and man, you know, I don't see anything taking place. Well, we don't know what God is doing in that person's life because only God can change an individual. Only God can change a heart. Only God can change and redeem a person. And the responsibility that we have is not to change the individual. It's not to get them to a place where they're now acceptable to us. It's, it's to, the, the responsibility that we have is to be at peace with God and try to be at peace with them and bring them before the presence of God and bring them before the throne of God and bring them before the altar of God. And God, here they are. I'm going to get out of the way, God. I'm going to get out of the way and in grace, God, and in mercy, God, just do what you got to do so that this relationship can be reconciled, God. My hope and my trust is in you, oh God. I like what um, Pastor Lee Wilson said during our, uh, our potential, our, our conference, when he was talking about the wells digging the wells and I think some of us we're digging in the wells of healthy relationships and as we're digging in those wells just like Pastor Lee Wilson was saying there's dirt in our way and it, relationships can be messy sometimes they can be hard sometimes oh but when they're healthy man they're good you know and just like Pastor Lee Wilson was saying we got to focus on the water and not the dirt we got to focus on what God can do and will do. And maybe it might not be overnight. Maybe it might be over time. But the hope that we have as believers is that God isn't finished. He's not finished with us, and we know he's not finished with them. And, and that's the hope that we give to one another is that God is not done. God is not finished. He's still on the move. We're still alive. There's breath in our lungs. And as long as there's breath in our lungs, there's hope for each and every one of us. And so no matter where we're at in our relationships, we have hope. We have hope. And we can give God, we can give them that hope that God has given us. If we can have our heads bowed and our eyes closed tonight, just in reverence to God.